Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We are live here on a Tuesday get-together on Bird 365. It's good to have the Mac Man back. Yeah. Owen, back after a victorious trip to Detroit, which he was just sharing with us. Uh, the phenomenal time that he had in Motown this week. Uh, got out and about, huh, John? Painted yeah. the city. Yeah. Got to see the Uniroyal tire. The big Uniroyal tire on the interstate, which is I, exciting. I, I, I've only been to Detroit like twice in my whole life. Where the hell's the Uniroyal tire? Nah, I don't know. It's a big tire. It's on one of the interstates out there, but uh, we uh, drove by it. It's, no. it's, it's actually pretty cool. I didn't go, you know, I wasn't Clark Griswold. I didn't, I didn't go over and stop and say, yeah, look kids, the Uniroyal tire, but um detroit actually it, it's very nice near the stadium it's really underrated you know comerica parks park is right next door right across the street you know it's downtown nice setting board feels nice but yeah i mean you're going to key west this weekend i'd rather be you than me Let's oh uh, yeah i haven't had a weekend off and i've had one weekend off in the last six years so this will be number two in the past six years so yes i'm looking forward to it i got a little family wedding that we have to attend uh but i will be watching on sunday when the eagles take on the charges but before we go there we got to uh, take a look back at the, this sunday's game against the lions we got to say happy it. trade deadline day first oh, yeah, that's what i want to get it's happy trade deadline day we've everyone got, uh, how many hours uh, four and four is eight eight hours until the trade deadline under eight hours now and yeah i got a lot of questions i want to run by you there but first things first the beatdown of the detroit lions i want to give the eagles all the credit for everything they did yesterday here on the show myself jeff kerr gave nick Sirianni a ton of jobs and again a ton of credit the players a ton of credit how bad are the lions oh man oh oh I was wrong about them playing. Uh, no, I'm I'm with you. Look, you can only play who's on the schedule. The Eagles deserve a ton of credit for taking care of business. That's how I described it. That was a business trip, and they did their job, and they got the heck out of there with the easiest win I've ever seen in my life. 
Uh, but I don't know how much you can take out of that game. I really don't. I think it's such an outlier. It's so meaningless from a standpoint that the competition was so pathetic. And maybe it was because of the injuries on top of, of what they had coming into the game. And we had discussed they've been competitive in certain games and played hard. And, uh, yeah, I read that part of it wrong. I mean, once they got behind – it was over. We've been talking all year. The Eagles want to play from the lead. Now, every sure. NFL team wants to do that, but it's a little bit more important for the Eagles because they just don't have the ability to come back with the passing game down two scores. So everything lined up perfectly. Once the Eagles got the lead, they could just run the football in the second half. So 1980 Philadelphia was rejoicing, uh, but it's not sustainable. I don't, you know, people are saying, they found the formula. They didn't find anything, uh, unless the formula is the defensive is the Detroit Lions uh, each and every week. I mean, that's not going to happen. And it starts this Sunday with the Chargers, as you mentioned. And by the way, the Chargers are terrible stopping the run. Correct. So we'll talk about this. Well, you're not going to be here, but we'll we'll get into it later in the week. We'll talk about the Chargers. But it's different. Even though they're terrible at stopping the run, they're also capable of putting up points. So you just can't sit and hand the football off 46 times or Justin Herbert's going to beat you throwing the football. There was no formula found. People are mad at me for pointing this out. You should be mad at yourself. There was no formula <laughs> found. This was this was an outlier. So the, Jody, those two things aren't mutually exclusive to me. The Eagles deserve credit for taking care of business, and it doesn't mean, Jack, you know what. Right. I uh, tried to tell you last week that the Lions were the worst team in the National Football League. And this is a league that has the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars in it. I still say the Detroit Lions are the worst team in the National Football League, and I thought very much the Eagles were going to go in there and take care of business, which is exactly what they did. Now, Sirianni does get bonus points because watching his first seven games, I thought, well, he's going to do what he always does. He's going to run RPOs and uh, Jalen Hurts will be put in compromised situations and they're going to have to make some big plays late in the game. No, <coughs> no, the Lions are that bad. They're that terrible. And he recognized it. And we had a good thing going on the ground. They couldn't stop it. The offensive linemen were eating it up, coming off the field saying, stick with this coach, stick with this coach. He did just that. So it shows me that Nick Sirianni does have the mindset of we're going to do, and he, he verbalized it both after the game and yesterday as well. We're going to do what we need to do each and every single week that you can try and put a label on us or this is what the Philadelphia Eagles and this is what the Philadelphia Eagles do. Not accepting that. We're going to do on a given week what we need to do to win a game. Now, it's easier said than done because the Eagles roster has some talent, but it's not the deepest roster in the National Football League that they can dictate terms on a week-in, week-out basis. But if the coach has that mindset that he is going to stay open-minded about what he needs to do, what plays he needs to call, what kind of system he needs to use on a given week to beat an opponent – that's a real good thing. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I think I've been pretty consistent. I think Nick Sirianni took way too many hits for the flower uh, comments and, you know, the players enjoyed them, if anything. Um, and I think you kind of saw that uh, during that game. And they, 
you know, I I always go back to the Super Bowl run because I think, and our buddy Zach Berman even wrote the book and he called it Underdogs. I think that was the dumbest narrative, not Zach. I think that was the dumbest narrative in history for this reason. Everybody knew the Eagles were the best team in the NFC that year. Carson Wentz got hurt. And that's oh, oh, what uh, changed. Oh, oh, that's oh, what Brian changed. Carson getting hurt. Okay, I see what yeah. you're doing. That's what changed. If the Eagles have Carson Wentz, they're significant favorites against Atlanta. They're significant favorites against Minnesota. And then um, maybe in the Super Bowl, because of the Patriots and their reputation, they wouldn't have been favorites. So the whole idea of underdogs was kind of a crocky, you know what? It was about one player. It was about Nick Foles and people not believing in Nick Foles. And Nick Foles deserves credit for, for you know, doing what he did. We all know that. Um, my only point being, Doug Peterson used it. It doesn't matter if it's true. If you, if you use it to your advantage and people bought in, and people bought in, not just fans, but also players, it's great. And that's the same thing with Nick Sirianni and the flower power thing. Everybody's making fun of it. You used it. And it, if it works, hey, use it. Great. But the players had no problem with the speech. It was sort of the out, not outside noise. Now, obviously, it's a much lower, lesser stage. It's not as important of what Doug was able to do with the underdog theme. But I just used that as an example. Sure. It doesn't have to be true. You can use it. Any kind of bulletin board material, if you can use it, use it. And if it works, great. And when you get one of your team leaders to pick up the uh, baton and run with you like Jason Kelsey did, yeah. uh, that's only going to help sell your flower <laughs> narrative as perplexing as it may have been. If it's working for them, you got to just take it. You say, thank you very much. We'll continue in this vein. Uh, good for uh, Nick Sirianni. Yesterday, I caught the uh, press availability that you were part of, and he was asked about guys that he uh, played. I mentioned this with Jeff Curry yesterday. One of the benefits, side benefits, and maybe underrated benefits of a 44 to 6 win is you get to empty the bench. Everybody gets a chance to play. Guys who don't usually get <laughs> yeah. snaps, who are relegated to uh, special team stuff, like Marlon doesn't get on the field. He doesn't play specials and he just doesn't get any snaps from defense. He got a chance to play. Um, I think it's a good rallying call for the team. And it kind of upslipped the spirits of the entire roster. Um, part of that was, yeah, tiempo de garbage, garbage time. But in a couple spots, it was trying to get young guys some more reps. Reps. Davion Taylor ended up playing the most defensive snaps at linebacker. Uh, Milton Williams ended up playing the most defensive snaps on the defensive line. And Sirianni was asked about it. And he, he, he didn't just poo-poo it he didn't give it a ton of oh that's exactly what we're doing trying to play our younger guys so we can evaluate him he didn't come out and say that but he also didn't dismiss it either which tells me the eagles did it with a purpose this past week there were a couple of young guys they wanted to get more action and more of a look at and i say good for the eagles on that front yeah definitely linebacker i mean that's where they made the shift from a personnel perspective and tj edwards was sort of the guy uh, the number one role they've been rotating and and then it was Davion Taylor and that's they've been trending in that direction they've been rotating the linebackers which I asked Nick Sirianni about yesterday it's it's not a normal thing to do in the NFL 
Um, it's not a rotational position. Certain positions are rotational, certain aren't. Typically, linebackers aren't. Uh, you have one or two that play the vast majority of the snaps. And I think the Eagles want to get there, but they aren't there, and they don't have the talent to be there. So, obviously, early in the season was Eric Wilson, Alex Singleton. Now he's rotating. Eric Wilson was a healthy scratch, so that was the biggest news. So TJ Edwards and Davion Taylor had been sort of starting in the run support looks, and then they would bring in Singleton and Wilson for the pass coverage looks. Yesterday, it just got ramped up to Edwards being more of a um, the sort of three-down option. And see, that to me is interesting. Can you continue to do that against a team like the Chargers? Because they're going to throw the football. And they throw the football to the backs as well. And they have a long history really dating back to when Nick Sirianni was there uh, of being very successful at that. And even prior when Darren Sproles was there, they're very successful. If they see TJ Edwards on the field, if they see Davion Taylor on the field, they're going to try to take advantage of it. So that to me is something you look at. Was that tweak made for the Detroit Lions because they can't take advantage of it? Or was that tweak made because this is our best option? So that's one of the interesting things that I think we're going to have to see how it unfolds moving forward. The other guys, and Milton Williams, we had talked to him. He had not played well as a rookie, and he got a game ball. So he played very well. But everybody else, if you look at it, you know, Milton and, and you know, Teron Jackson, and you saw Andre Shashure, uh, Saturé. I always screw up his name first, out there. Sean Bradley, Tay Gowan made his Eagles debut. Josiah Scott, you mentioned uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu was out there. for. That was because it was a blowout. And right. the same thing on the offensive side. You know, there was a little bit of a tweak because of who they were playing, and there was way more 12 personnel. The Eagles have gone to pretty much exclusively exclusively 11, um, certainly after the Zach Ertz trade. Yesterday you saw Dallas Goddard, you saw a lot of Jack Stoll, even Richard Rodgers, because they were running the football so effectively. Um, I don't think that continues as an example. Plus you got, you know, Brett Toth was in the game, Andre Dillard, Gardner Minshew, obviously would start with him at quarterback. So all of that was was more of the garbage time aspect. Let me get a couple quick questions on the guys who did get a chance to play. And I'd say the Chargers have a history of going even further back than Daryl. So I'll go all the way back to Ladanian Tomlinson. The Chargers have always yeah. been a team that throws the they ball for the guy out of the backfield. Ladanian's one of the best in the history of the National Football League to be able to do it, make plays out of the backfield. I don't think they have that type of a running back no. right now. Eckler's good. He's no LT. Um, but uh, You are. <laughs> back back to the Eagles. Um, one guy was a little disappointed with uh, the fact that he didn't get uh, more reps was uh, Kayvon Wallace. He was in that same mix with Josiah Scott and Tay and getting their eagle feet wet and stuff like that. The uh, very, very much all backup defensive backfield. I thought he was going to be more like uh, Davion Taylor and uh, Milt Williams and get some snaps when the game was still 
sitting, at least in uh, somewhat undecided form. Come on. You knew as the Eagles got up by two touchdowns. The Lions weren't rallying to win the game, but you get my point. Um, you think this is a week for them to try and get a little bit more out of Wallace? Are we going to get the chance to see him more? Because there is a guy that you still need to get a read on for future purposes. Is he a guy that the Eagles can lean on more heavily next year? Yeah, I, I don't know because the Eagles really like Marcus Epps and, you know, Marcus is a guy that is essentially uh, played and part of it is injury related in that Kayvon has got banged up on a couple of occasions. So those guys were kind of even in training camp more or less. And you had one who was the single high safety type more and that's Marcus and one who was more of the box type in Kayvon. But I think as Kayvon has been out of the lineup and Marcus has continued to play, I think the Eagles have, you know, liked the way he's handled the job and think he's sort of won that third safety job. And really, he might be pushing Anthony Harris at this point to be the second safety um, opposite Rodney McLeod when Anthony is healthy or Anthony gets traded or what have you. Uh, they really like Marcus Epps. So I think if it comes down to Marcus Epps or Kayvon Wallace, Marcus Marcus is going to play at this point. And he's a young player as well. So I think people kind of forget that because he was acquired in a different fashion. Uh, he was drafted by Minnesota, picked up on waivers. So, you know, they look at Kayvon Wallace, who's a draft pick here, and say, well, we got to get him on the field. The Eagles have kind of, you know, Marcus is playing better. Marcus is going to play. Fair enough. And Epps did play well on Sunday against the Lions. I thought uh, he and TJ Edwards both had uh, phenomenal games in the back seven for the Eagles. Uh, by the way, do you call him Marcus or do you call him Epsy? I call him Epsy. I okay. love that. I love the Epsy, Nick. That was a, that was a Swartz. That was a Swartz thing, man. Everybody had the hockey nickname. Swartz called him so Epsy. I call, huh? I call Swartz the Swartzy. Because he, he gives everybody the hockey nickname, and Epsy is Epsy. There you go. Uh, he is John McMullen. Good to have him back with me, Jody Mack. We're your Birds 365 guys. We have only started to talk about the trade deadline. Now we kind of weasel a couple of mentions in there. I think Johnny Mack threw one name in there that kind of spot. Oh, Anthony, could I trade Harris off the injured list on this trade deadline day? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think anybody's acquiring. But I got a couple angles that I do want to ask both John Mack and our first guest and our second guest. We have two good guests coming your way today. First would be Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly and uh, Eagle Eye Podcast with our buddy Ruben Frank. A little later on, we'll talk to our pal Rob Motti from the Associated Press, who does cover the entire league these days. He always seems to get involved with Eagle stuff on a week-in, week-out basis. He just can't let it go. Even though he covers mm -hmm. the entire league, he's got to get his Eagles question in on the Eagles' media availabilities. So we'll talk about both the entire league and the Eagles on trade. We're deadline. talking playoffs, I think, from Rob. Didn't he ask a playoff question? I got to I got to Was that his question yesterday? Did he really was. go down the playoff route? I think it was. I'll double check. Jeff Kerr break. was Johnny on the spot yesterday. One game out of a playoff spot. And the team that holds that last playoff spot right now would be the Carolina, Carolina Panthers. Yeah. 
who the Eagles have a victory over, a tiebreaker over. So, uh, yeah, we'll continue to let uh, playoff uh, images dance in our heads after a 44-6 to win. We'll see if that's actually real. we got to put Jim Moore out there. Playoffs. I, I say no thank you. I think the Eagles still need to sell today. But that's just me. We'll see what Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philly has to say. He joins us next here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Tuesday get together here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys for going to McDonald's. Lucky enough to have one of the best Eagle Beat guys in town. Join us. He does it for NBC Sports Philly and his Eagle Eye podcast with Ruben Frank. Is a must-listen to for Birds fans. Dave Zingara joins us here on uh, Mac and Mac on Birds 365. DZ, did you enjoy Detroit as much as my partner here, John McMullen? He was <laughs> singing the praises of Motown. Was bummed that he had to leave. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't go that far, Dave. <laughs> 
I, it, it was all right. I enjoyed an easy travel weekend yes. after uh, yes. after Vegas. It's a, it's easy to get into Detroit. Short flight. Yes. Uh, stayed downtown. It was nice and simple. All I needed from this weekend. That's a, the positive. And getting yeah. out. Dave and I were on the same flight out, which if you were, you know, that wasn't a given considering what's going on around the country with American Airlines. So that was the most positive part. That probably... <laughs> So yeah, that, what, that worked out. Yeah, that worked out well. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn from that trip about the Philadelphia Eagles? Because I I gave them credit, Dave, for it was a business trip, kind of like what you said, in and out, take care of business. From that perspective, I give them all the credit in the world. But for the people who think they found the formula, I don't know if you can take too much out of this game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, what we learned is that the lines are really <laughs> bad. Uh, Look, I they did in this game what fans have been wanting them to do on both sides of the football. They ran it on offense, on defense. They challenged a little bit. Uh, the problem is, I mean, they'd be crazy to not do that against Detroit, because especially um, challenging on defense. I mean, it was – if they didn't do it in this game, I'd seriously start to question Jonathan Gannon because it, that, that offense – doesn't have any big plays in it. So what are you taking away if you play your, your traditional cover two against them? But I think that maybe it teaches them some lessons that they can do these things, you know, regardless of opponent, maybe it, it teaches Nick Sirianni that, yeah, we, our offensive line really likes to run the ball. They can move forward at times. And, and maybe it shows Gannon on defense that, Hey, yeah, maybe I do have the guys to not, being covered to 95% of the time, maybe, you know, play some man outside where I have pretty good corners and maybe take some stress off the linebackers. I don't think the formula in this game is going to be the formula, but I think there are some lessons in there for the Eagles top two coaches that some of these things they did in this game, they can transfer to other games. I don't think it's ever going to be like it was in Detroit, but I think maybe they can learn a little bit from it. Dave, there is the mindset of each and every single team, and there's two of them. One is the collective that you believe uh, can move and change and be different on any given week. And then there's each individual. They have their own mindset on where they sit, what their accomplishing, what their team's doing, what their position is in the team, and both are important. And the coach is kind of the overseer of all of them. How much does a blowout win over an inferior opponent upgrade the mindset of the team in your mind yeah it, it helps you know they they needed a win they just they needed to feel good about themselves and jalen hurt says it a lot and it's kind of a, been a mantra that they can't be results focused right like they have to worry about their process and have faith that their process is working but i think it's human nature that after a while when you're trying to trust in this process and it's not yielding the results you want. You start to question the process. I think that's just human nature. So uh, to finally see them pull out a win and yeah, the blowout fashion of it probably helps, um, but just a win. I and mean, just, just to, to win a football game after where this team had been it is really positive. And I think it, it look, it's obvious it's going to help them. And I, I think, you know, we all saw the schedule when it came out. They they kind of went through a wood chipper there for a bit. It was uh, some really tough games. And 
But, you know, coming out of it, they played so poorly that you're like, I don't know what a winnable game looks like for this team. Because, sure, like, their games on the schedule look winnable. But if they played the way they played the previous few weeks, nothing's a given. So um, I think it gives them the confidence to say, look, sure, Detroit stinks, but we beat them and we beat them pretty soundly. There are games coming on this schedule, even this week. I mean, the Chargers have really come back to earth. Um, after that, you know, Denver, Denver, you know, there are winnable games and then those are winnable. And then you have the giants, then you have Washington, um, you have the jets in there. So yeah, I think this team should be kind of optimistic right now. And and I think they need to be after that win. We're going to hold the playoff talk where I don't want to go. Yeah. I don't want to get into that either, but Uh, for them, I mean, they're probably thinking at least the veterans are the the young players are probably swimming right now but the veterans especially the guys who've been on this team and have started you know with awful records and either made the playoffs or kept it close they know what's up i mean they know that they're looking at the schedule they're still yeah. gonna say they're not but they know what's happening yeah and you know you're right human nature if things continue to go down a negative path that's when things happen like what happened to detroit I mean, they had been competitive in a number of games, and all of a sudden the wheels come off. But I want to shift you toward the most interesting personnel tweak, I think, in the game, Dave, and that was linebacker and Eric Wilson being a healthy scratch. It had had been going that way for a number of weeks, and Jonathan Gannon kind of rolled out T.J. Edwards and Davion Taylor as the run support linebackers, and then Wilson and Eric Singleton would come in more of the third down passing type linebackers. It's kind of weird to have rotations at linebacker, but that's where I talk. TJ Edwards played great, I thought, but it is the lines. Is that sustainable? Is that a guy you can go out against Justin Herbert? And Jody and I were talking before you came on. There's probably not a team in this league known more going back years and decades for throwing the football to their running backs is that sustainable moving forward even a week? Probably not, but it might be their best option. You know, the thing about TJ Edwards is, yes, he's limited athletically, but he's he's sound, you know. He's, he's, a, he's linebacker. Just a smart player. Yeah. He's in the right position. And it, look, it's funny because you have him and Davion Taylor who are kind of like complete opposites in that way, right? Like Davion, 4-4 speed. But if you're in the wrong spot and you recover, like, what does it matter? I I like TJ Edwards. I, I think he's a limited player. I think he has a ceiling. But you can see why defensive coaches like him, especially when they're looking around their linebacker room and there's not much there. I mean, the Eric Wilson thing, they didn't pay him a lot, but that's a disappointing signing. I thought yeah, – look, I didn't think he'd be a great player. I thought he'd be serviceable, and he earned his benching. I mean, he did. He had played poorly. He had lost he snaps. Uh, I think Alex Singleton has really been hurt by um, the defense's style so far through this year. He's the kind of player who really needs to just play with his hair on fire and get after it. And they're putting a lot of stress on him. And and we've seen him get exposed a little bit because of it. I still think he's an adequate player. And I I think they're going to play him at times. And look, and the thing with Davion is uh, early in the season, I was calling for him to play because I'm figuring – if if I have to watch Eric Wilson stink or Davion Taylor stink, 
I'd rather watch Davion Taylor stink. Get right. him, get him the snaps because at least there's there's a reason to think that he could become a good player. And they're playing him more. I'm glad they're playing him more. He doesn't look great out there, but there's still that there's still athleticism in his body that makes you think he could become a player at some point. So yeah, I want to see him a ton over the last eight games. Or so here's the question for me going into this week, and Dave, I, I want your answer, and John, if you want to chime in too. The decision for me comes down. Am I a little um, worrisome about the guys being able to catch the ball out of the backfield for Sandy for uh, L.A.? Yes. But one of the big things they got with Edwards, and you can tell me if it's coincidence or it was a strategy that worked, he helped the pass rush. He actually came on a couple of blitzes. I know he didn't get home, but then they shifted to him and other guys got the, and I got six sacks. I'm trying to estimate, can he do that again this week against a guy like Justin Herbert? What is the Los Angeles offensive line look like in comparison to Detroit's? Will Edwards add to the pass rush? If the answer is yes, then I'm keeping him in and I'll live with how he covers out of the backfield. If the answer is not sure because LA's line is that much better, well, then I might stay open to uh, reverting back to the linebackers that I used in previous weeks. Yeah, I, look, he can help you in the pass rush. Alex Singleton can blitz too, by the way. I mean, they can use him in that situation. It's They're not playing Detroit again. And we've seen Gen really hesitate to blitz for a reason this year. I think he can sprinkle them in here and there. I think they have the ability to blitz. I I don't know if you want to leave yourself too exposed by blitzing a ton. Um, but, yeah, I, I t- Edwards can help you in that regard. He's a tough, hard-nosed player. Um, I, I I wouldn't expect uh, Gannon to suddenly become blitz-happy, though. I, I think timing them up here and there makes sense. Um, sending some extra pressure. And, I, look, I think they can – Avante Maddox is a pretty good – blitzer from the nickel spot too so they, they have some options there um he doesn't you know the jim schwartz thing whenever he would blitz it was a zone blitz which isn't really a blitz it's like it's yeah you know, you're, you're sending just replacing one yeah you're just replacing other. you know a guy who can cover with a guy who can't cover <laughs> it's just pressure from a different area so um i look i, I think they have that in their back pocket i, I don't i don't expect gannon to start blitzing a ton uh offensively the most interesting thing to me dave was i think and i'm paraphrasing what nick said after the game was we're going to do what we need to do to win a game or something to that um which makes sense to me perfectly but in in a lot of ways when we came into this season the whole goal was all right let's figure out what we have at quarterback let's figure out what we need to do at quarterback I didn't learn anything about Jalen Hurts in that game. Uh, were the Eagles protecting Jalen Hurts, or were they just trying to get to the finish line with a win? And what does that accomplish for this long-term goal? Or have the Eagles already made their decision when it comes to Jalen Hurts? Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think they did what they needed to do in that game to win it. And, look, I, I don't know if Nick Sirianni – is as concerned with figuring out what Jalen Hurts is as the front office. I don't know if that's his job. You know, he's trying to win football. He's trying to save his own job, you know. Um, He's trying to win games, and that was the formula in that game. I agree with you. I didn't learn much about Jalen in that game. And 
the troubling thing with with Hurts through eight games is that a lot of the fears I think we had about him haven't subsided. You know, there's he's leaving plays on the field. Uh, he does leave the pocket too early, which I can forgive here and there. You know, that's going to happen with a running quarter or a dual threat quarterback. There's going to be times where, yeah, he probably made the wrong decision and he, he, he left the pocket, but that's become a little too consistent for my liking. Um, he's leaving throws out there too. Some easy throws that I think you need to make, especially in this offense. Like <laughs> this offense is designed theoretically to like, hit shorter throws and let guys create with their legs. But if the accuracy is off on those short throws, and we've seen that a few times, I can especially think of a few times to Devontae Smith in the last few weeks. Um, the one in this game was fine. Devontae just dropped it. But there have been other times where, like, you know, it's a, it's a slant and and Jalen's just got to hit him in stride. And if he does, it's a catch and probably yards after, and he hasn't hit him up. You're right. I haven't learned much about Jalen that I didn't know. I I like everything that he brings from the intangible side. I like his ability with his legs, and I think at times he'll make great throws. We've seen glimpses of of great throws, but uh, the inconsistency is is still troubling there. Here's where I do think Jalen gets a short end of the stick, and it's just kind of like uh, people look right past this. Who led the Eagles in rushing this past weekend when they got a ton of credit for running the football? Eagles rededicated to the run game. Uh, ground and pound, Philadelphia Eagles. Who led them in rushing? Jalen Hurts. So the 71 yards that he racked up was more than Boston Scott. Hey, he looked good. More than back from the dead Jordan Howard. He looked great. Who led the team in rushing? Jalen Hurts. It's just like a given. He's supposed to do that because he's Jalen Hurts. There aren't in this side of Lamar Jackson. There aren't guys in the NFL that can do what he does when he takes off and makes plays with his legs. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you that he he and he, and some of those rushes were really big. He picked up uh, some third down conversions, and um, some of them were impressive. But without being able to throw the ball, I you know I he needs to find a better balance in his game. Lamar's done that. You know, Lamar wouldn't have been the MVP if he couldn't throw the ball. You know, he, he's a he's a great runner. And and I'm not saying that Jalen can't become better, you know, I but we need to see it. And and he has the rest of the season to prove it, maybe more. Maybe they don't maybe they give him another year after this, but I think they'd really like to know what they have in him. And right now what they have is a player who still has potential, he's still a developmental quarterback who has the legs and, and in a way it is a given, like we know he can do that. Yeah. Uh, I think they want to see consistency with him throwing the football and they haven't. And some of that you can argue is on the coaching staff. Some of it you can argue is on the receivers. They don't have any veterans in that room and, and they've made some young rookie mistakes on that level. And, and I don't think the, the head coach and play caller has done him any favors at times this year with the play selection, with the, the lack of balance run pass in the offense. But uh, Jalen just needs to be better in, in the situations he has been presented. And and until he does that, I don't think the team can really feel comfortable about like declaring that he's their guy going forward. Yeah, I kind of agree with Dave's perspective there. The fact that I know he can run the football. I give him all the credit in the world for those conversions and what he brings to the offense. It's the other stuff 
that we need to see to have that better balance and and to be that next level of an offensive team. Um, now, today is a big day in the NFL. As you know, we're all New Jersey residents, so it's election day, but far bigger than any election. It's trade deadline day, Dave Zingaro. So the Eagles have already made some deals, obviously, Zach Ertz uh, being the most notable, but uh, Joe Flacco also going back up the turnpike. So they've already made some tweaks. Um they're not going to let this game in Detroit affect their long-term thinking when it comes to the trade deadline. Are they? Please tell me that, Dave. Oh, we're all, all in, John. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine they will. Um, if, if they – look, I don't think they're going to – they're not going to, you know, trade for a Von Miller-type player like L.A. did. They're all in. I mean, that's really all in. If the Eagles see a player that has, you know, a young player maybe who has like a couple years left, that's in a bad situation and it was maybe something like that, adding a player. Um, if they were to add someone, I probably not likely, but not out of the realm of possibility. As far as being sellers, I, I don't think there's anyone who they'd sell to sell, but if they got offers, I mean, there's no one on this team that you'd say is untouchable. You know, I, they, they should listen to offers if they come in, I think the most likely to get traded would probably be Andre Dillard, but I wouldn't give him away either. You know, he's got another year of team control. He's proven he can at least be an adequate backup. So, you know, if I get offered a fifth round pick, I'm not giving up Andre Dillard for a fifth round pick, but someone brings you a three, then we can talk. I mean, then that's a, you know, then I think you would pull the trigger on that. And to me, he's the, the most likely candidate and, um, just because you have Jordan Mailata, who you've said is your left tackle, you yeah. paid him. Lane Johnson is here. You, financially, you're tied to him. Uh, as long as he's okay and he's going to be able to play, you're, you're going to keep him. So there's not a starting spot for Andre Dillard. If there's a team around the league that wants to tackle, yeah, he's for sale. All right, let me run a hypothetical by you. Seventh round pick, conditionally, needs to play X amount of plays. Otherwise, the pick just disappears. Would you give Derek Barnett away? Um, no, not, not for a seventh. I, I mean, a seventh round pick, how we can find a seventh round pick on a tree. And we're talking like a conditionally, so I might not get anything for him. Yeah, they get yeah. rid of his salary. Like we're already halfway through the year. They've already paid him. He plays a lot. They don't really have options at defensive end. It's not like they're real deep. I mean, Ryan, I give away Ryan Kerrigan for a seven. You're giving me that same deal for Ryan Kerrigan. Sure. Look, Derek Barnett hasn't played well, but um, he, he he's at least an adequate player. Like he's, he's given you some decent snaps here and there. He, he just came off his best game of the year. I, I wouldn't give him away. I, I wouldn't. I, 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 I think would. that. Hey, I, hey, I, Jody, Jody has closed the book. Jody, Joe, that's why he can't be a GM. And, Jody's dad, obviously. Yeah, you got to you got to field a roster the rest yeah. of this year. You're you're talking you about close the teams on the, guy. the teams three and five. Yeah, yeah no, I, mean, I, can, th- I can. I can. I would take, you can. I would take my chances with Ryan Kerrigan tomorrow. Would you, you cut him? Both then? Those two guys. Who would I like would to you, see would get would more you cut snaps him the rest of the year? Ryan Kerrigan. That's crazy. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> I mean, I, that doesn't make any sense. I, your your teams three and five. You you're trying to at least have like show the team that you want them to compete and 
and you gotta fight. think about the locker room as well, Joe. Yeah. And Barnett is a pretty well liked guy in the locker room. He's um he plays hard. He's not great, but he plays hard and uh, his teammates all seem to like him. I I wouldn't give him away. If, if you're going to do that, then just cut him, you know, and I don't think they're going to cut him. So. so how about some of these other defensive guys, Dave? We mentioned one, Ryan Kerrigan, hasn't worked out. Veteran guy, Eric Wilson, We meant, he's just a healthy scratch. Probably can't get anything for him. Yeah. Um, Anthony Harris, uh, we don't know how close he is, but he's been injured. All of a sudden, Marcus Epps starts to play, and he's playing – pretty much the same. I mean, you're, you're not seeing any difference. Uh, those guys aren't going to be here long-term. And the one guy who's playing well that could really help people is Steve Nelson. who's yeah. probably not going to be here. Very cost-effective. Ton of teams need cornerback help. Ton of contenders. Do you go full-blown sell mode? Can you, can you, this is the NFL. We know there's not going to be 57 trades, but can they go that direction and try? These guys aren't going to be here. Let's get something for them. Yeah, how he can ask other teams to correct his offseason. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> everyone I signed there for sale. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I mean, Kerrigan and Wilson, no brainers. I mean, if if someone wants to give you something for them, they're not really playing anyway. Um, <laughs> So yeah, you take that. I don't. I don't. I don't know what they're worth to anyone. I, maybe Kerrigan. You can try to sell teams on the idea that he's this desperation. Uh, Daniel Hunter got hurt on Sunday. Yeah, night. maybe. And and you know how he could be like he had five and a half sacks last season. He doesn't fit this defense. He's kind of being held back by this defense. He's out of position. Maybe I. I it seems unlikely to me. Anthony Harris is the interesting one um, because you're right. I, I don't think there has been a drop off really with Marcus Epps and they still have Kayvon Wallace, who is a younger player you'd like to see. So maybe that's possible. Who was the last one you mentioned? Oh, Steve Nelson. Steve yeah. Nelson. He's the one that could actually get something yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, problem is who he playing a corner then. Um, it, it's kind of that balance right now of looking at the future, but also like, Hey, we have to field a team and he's played well. And you know, who are you playing a corner then? Do you, do you just stick? I I, I really don't know. They got a bunch. We haven't seen them. We got Zach McPherson, Kay Gowan, garbage time. Yeah, Mac McCain, who I still don't know what he looks like, Dave. I still they have a bunch of young guys, but like I don't even. I mean, I guess it would be either McPherson or Tay Gowan. Yeah, that. That's we we just talked about the locker room, right? Like you're you're trying to compete. yeah, I don't know. It, it's funny. Maybe in the you mentioned the Detroit game changing how they viewed the trade deadline, kind of as a joke. Like, are they buyers now? But the other side of it is, are they a little more hesitant to sell a player like Steve Nelson now that they have a chance to compete yeah. for something this year? I think that's probably the more realistic um, effect of that win. Uh, they're, you know, they're not going to start buying at the deadline but are they a little more hesitant to trade someone like steve nelson when they feel like hey we have something to play for here and it, the drop-off is maybe pretty significant whereas like with anthony harris the drop-off doesn't seem very significant to marcus epps i think the drop-off from steve nelson to whoever else would play at that spot will, will probably be pretty noticeable pretty significant I, not when i agree with you i did did howie get caught asleep at the wheel yesterday 
We get news that Derrick Henry probably done for the year, certainly regular season, maybe back for the playoffs. Tennessee at six and two, best record in the AFC. They're not about to pack it in and become sellers. Uh, the guys that they've got coming off their bench at the running back position, I needed to look up because I didn't even know who they were. And when I looked them up, I still need to look up more information because I still didn't know who they were. Should Howie have been on the phone yesterday offering either Boston Scott or Jordan Howard coming off the games they had to the Tennessee Titans? Well, he could offer him Boston Scott. Jordan Howard's not even on the roster. So uh, Tennessee could just sign him if they want. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's something they have to work through because now, hold on. Let me, let me ask you a a procedural question. He was on the roster this week. They called him up from the practice squad. Mm -hmm. Did they not get the chance to protect them again this week? You can't do it till this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. So so they can protect him today. Um, but yeah, the, the elevation basically gives him safe passage to and from the practice squad. Uh, and the, they can protect players. I'd assume they're going to protect him as soon as they get the chance today. Um, but it, it, another procedural thing, it, Miles Sanders is out at least three weeks. You can only elevate a player twice. Now, the Eagles have gotten around that before with COVID elevations. If, if someone lands on the COVID list, then you can elevate someone. Is, that elevation doesn't count toward the two. So that's always in the back of your mind. They did that with T.Y. McGill, like, six times they elevated them last yeah. year. Uh, but maybe they're going to need to add Jordan Howard to the active roster at some point. Um, they're going to have to figure some stuff out because the other side of that is uh, Tyree Jackson getting help. We're getting really into the weeds here. Tyree Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I apologize. For this. Tyree Jackson's sure. getting close to getting off IR too. So you're going to have to find a spot for him. You might have to find a spot for Jordan Howard. So you got to figure out ways to do all that. Now, one interesting last one for me, Dave, is Miles Sanders, because he's kind of an under the radar guy. When you think about he's got one year left on his rookie deal. Um, The Eagles aren't going to pay running backs. It's kind of this weird. He's a good player. He's not a great player. I think he's overrated by the fan base. Is that maybe the under the weeds guy? You can trade guys on IR now. So he's on IR. They they made that shift. Um, it's a short-term injury from what everyone says. Is that could that be the one curveball we see at the trade deadline? Say the Eagles. We saw Boston Scott Jordan Howard. We can get through this. It's not like cornerback where we don't have anybody. Yeah. We're not gonna pay him anyway. Let's get it done. And you can get value. Yeah, maybe. I I think it's probably unlikely. Um, But you're right. He's it's a short term injury. So he's out another couple games minimum, maybe misses three games. So if a team's a contender, they'd get him back for five games and then another year. Yeah. um, That's what the Eagles did. Exactly. Extra year. Yeah. And I I think that would entice some team because it's another cheap year, relatively cheap year. And if they think he could be a high-quality running back for cheap in his final year, maybe. Uh, I think it's probably unlikely. But, yeah, it's, I don't think it's completely out of their own possibility either. Uh, but I also don't think what we saw from Boston Scott and Jordan Howard is going to just transfer to every no. week. You know, <laughs> I, I think that that would be foolish for the Eagles to look at it that way. I still think Miles is their best running back. I agree with you, too. He's not – 
he's not like an elite player in the NFL, but he, he's still their best running back. Uh, I don't know what it would take. I don't know what teams would offer for him. That That's tough to figure out the compensation there and on both levels, what teams would offer for him, what the Eagles would accept. And for that, I'm, I, I, pro- I think it's probably not very likely. Dave, last one for me. Uh, it's, uh, again, a bit of a look into the crystal ball prediction type question. If I set the bar at 75% completion rate for Justin Herbert this week, the Eagles have been known to give up 80. So I'm not even setting the bar that high. I'm coming in at 75 for Justin Herbert. If that's the case, how many yards does that equate to with the Charger offense being what it is? I thought you were going over under. I was starting to figure that out. Um, How many yards? Look, I – Oh, man, I don't know. First I, number's three, yeah. isn't it, Dave? Yeah, probably. Um, he, he's good, but they've come back to earth a little bit. And, and no. I, I think there is a little bit of a template out there on how to sell them. We'll try to kind of use it. We'll see. Um, but I think there is a little bit of a template out there how to how to get to him and, and get them off a little bit. I have to watch a little bit more of them, honestly. Um, I've seen them in passing. But the last two weeks, they look – you know, they were, they were, I mean, this game looked really tough a few weeks ago, really yeah. tough. And it doesn't look quite as tough right now, especially at home. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to give you, an, I really don't know, but I, okay. I, I think, uh, I think this game and, and Justin Herbert, he's kind of not, I don't want to say run into a wall, but he doesn't look as good right now as he did a few weeks ago. And the team doesn't look as good as they do now. I did a few weeks ago. So I think this is all of a sudden pretty winnable. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm with you, Dave. I thought Jody was going over under on, <laughs> on completion percentage. And I'm going, I'm going under if on, for that. Cause Justin Herbert likes to push the football down the field. So he'll mm-hmm. try to go down the field. And I think he's not going to go check down, check down, check down, where you get to that 85, 90%. He's going to try to push the football, but that's, my two cents on that one. Yeah, he's he's at sixty three point seven for the season, so that's pretty significantly below seventy five percent. But I still think he's getting three hundred yards. But that's for later in the week. Davis and Gary, we appreciate you joining us early in the week. Uh, feel free to just go down to the Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to go to Detroit. Yeah, you don't nice. have to go to Vegas. All you got to do is drive down to the game. Have a good yeah, drive. Nice. Have a great time watching the game. We'll get you back on here soon enough on Birds three sixty five. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly. His uh, podcast, Eagle Eye podcast with Ruben Frank, is something Eagle fans should be checking out. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. We got a couple of more trade possibilities to run by you. I'll run them by Johnny Mac. They both beat up on me. They want to keep Derek Barnett. Why? I don't know. He had have nothing else. Yeah, let's just put that one sack that he got the first one in two years on a loop and just keep playing it over and over and over again. The only tackle he made last week again. Uh, yeah, just keep, keep playing that over and over again. Time to move on. We'll move on. Quickie timeout. Come back here on Birds 365. <laughs>
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Thank Dave Zingaro for hopping aboard. Always a good insight when Dave gets with us. Uh, we hope to get the same out of Rob Motti, who will be on with uh, us in hour number two. It is trade deadline day. We're under seven. No, we still got an hour to go. Uh, we got four minutes to go before the hour. Seven hours and change before the trade deadline hammer comes down and teams are locked into the players they have. How active will it be across the league? Most importantly, how active, if at all, will it be here in Philadelphia? As a matter of fact, J-Mac, if I were to predict anything, I would say the Eagles do nothing. I don't think they'll be a buyer. I don't think they'll be a seller. It's always the, be- be- it's always the best bet, Jody. Always yeah. the best bet. Remember, they already made two trades, so people get things done earlier these days. They already made two trades with Zach Ertz and Joe Flacco, so. But I'll yeah. give Jason LaConfort credit. Sorry if I interrupted you. Um, he was the guy who I saw on Saturday mentioned that Vaughn Miller was available. And it came as a surprise to me. I was doing a show Saturday night on CBS Sports Radio, and I had another CBS uh, football guy um, on. And I said, your cohort, Jason LaConfort, says that we could see Vaughn Miller trade. And he said, yeah, that came out of left field to me. I didn't know that the Broncos would actually go there, and I doubt that they will. I didn't think it was going to happen either. Boom, he's gone. 
uh, the Rams pushing all their chips into the table to get another star player to take a Super Bowl run this year. Um, so we have seen a couple of big-name guys get Man. dealt. I would put Zach Ertz in that category. Yeah, the Eagles aren't going to do something like that. Well, no. I mean, they're not in a position to be in where the Rams are. The Rams are all in, as we say, and they should be. And the Rams right now do not give a flying you-know-what about draft picks. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't because now all of a sudden you have Von Miller to team up with Aaron Donald. Look, that team is a significant, significant Super Bowl contender. I think they're the best team in the NFC on paper. Um, We'll see. It's a very difficult uh, conference. You have Green Bay you have to deal with. You have Tampa Bay, the reigning Super Bowl champions. You have Arizona, uh, who's obviously been playing very well until they got beat by Green Bay, which is Aaron Rodgers, so we all know. So you're going to have teams beating up on each other. But, man, the Rams are are good, and they, they should be going for it. <clears throat> the Eagles aren't in that position, so no, you're not going to go after Von Miller. You're certainly not going to be buyers. Now, if there's a player, like Dave mentioned a little bit, that you have an extra year on a rookie deal, you think he can you, he can help you, you want to bring him in from that perspective, fine. I could see that happening, but when you're talking about Big seize the moment trades. There's only one potential, and it's been out there for months and months and months and months. And that's Deshaun Watson. And, you know, he's only waived his trade clause from Miami. I still haven't seen anything that's come off that. And, you know, if Miami holds their ground that says we want more uh, um, certainty in this, they're not going to get it. So that he's not going to move either. That's the only big move, big splash move. Everything else would be small under the radar. Not that it couldn't help you. Uh, And more likely, the Eagles would be sending people out. Look, Ryan Kerrigan, if you can get somebody who's desperate to give you something, do it. Same thing with uh, Anthony Harris. And Steven Nelson, probably the most interesting because they don't have somebody to play right away if they trade Steven Nelson, but they could get value for Steve Nelson, which makes it a little bit more complicated. Here's the difference between Ryan Kerrigan and Derek Barnett. I have more faith in Ryan Kerrigan, not taking a dumb penalty that could actually hurt the team. And you heard JG talking about him. He's producing. He's got his eyes straight. He's involved in every single play. So why well, would you here, trade a guy who's that. actually producing well, according to your defensive coordinator? I think the most important thing, and you have more experience than me. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. A mess because of your father. The most important thing for any GM in any industry is to be honest with themselves, and it's really, really difficult. So as a make-believe G- GM, I'm pretty honest with myself. I I know I can tell you what my fault would be. I would listen to the coaches too much uh, because, you know, ultimately you want to get them the players they want. I think your weakness as a GM, Jody, you close the book on certain guys and bang, it is closed. And I I just don't think you can do that. Is it, is he disappointing? Did, Did he turn out to be what the Eagles had hoped? No, of course not. It's certainly disappointing. But he's still valuable for this particular team at this particular moment. I'm missing the value week in and week out. And I know I was uh, speaking with tongue and planted in cheek when I said Ryan Kerrigan is producing for them. Yeah, I know. No, no, he's not. Neither is Derek Barnett. Um, he gets a tackle a week. What is that? You can't you can't tell me you put Mill Williams in there. He can't get a tackle a week. You give Kerrigan a couple extra snaps, better chance he gets a tackle. Usually he takes a goose egg, but maybe he actually gets a tackle. You give him a couple extra snaps. Yeah, no, and and I know some people put too much emphasis on this, and I want to be careful not to do that. Yeah, you do get out from underneath half of his salary. That's almost five million dollars that you're saving under the salary cap going forward the next year. If you trade him. That's off your salary cap going forward for next season. I'm telling you, I take a seventh, a conditional seventh, just to move on and and not have a, a someone who could block Milton Williams for potential playing time. And I don't think you would see any drop off on the Eagles' defensive line play over the last nine weeks of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, number one, I think you know Derek Barnett is you know weak side defensive end. I. I Derek, uh, Milton Williams isn't going to play weak side defensive end. You know, he had his best game playing mostly defensive tackle. That's his natural position, three technique. The Eagles also think he could be uh, a Brandon Graham type down the road in that he could play some base end and, and be that versatile guy. They don't think he could be in a weak side pass rusher. So <clears throat> I think those are not, in other words, if they did trade Derek Barnett for whatever they could get or even release them. <clears throat> I don't think Milton Williams would be playing for him. He doesn't play that position. I think Josh Sweat would be over there and they would just leave him at weak side defensive end and he would just play there. Um, so I think it's different positions. I, I don't think um, they have a natural replacement in Josh Sweat, but that affects you because Josh Sweat has been filling in for Brandon Graham. 
so you go further down, further down well, the they, domino they, line. And he played a little this week. Taron Jackson got the same number of sacks that uh, Derek Barnett did. In well, less I don't sa- think they're concerned snaps, about. Too. I don't think they're concerned about just sacks. I think they're concerned about not getting bulled off, bulldozed off the line of scrimmage. Teron Jackson. I mean, yeah, look, he's a young player. He's a six-round pick. He's not supposed to be ready to play. He he needs a year to, to add some sort of NFL strength and, and size and to be able to hold up in, in, in the run game. I hear what you're saying. They just, It's similar to, to cornerback, what we just discussed with Dave. Look, you can throw Tay Gowan out there. You can throw Mac McCain out there. You can throw Josiah Scott. You can throw anybody out there, but it's not going to look pretty is what we're trying to say. Here's the difference between cornerback and, and defensive end for me. Steven Nelson's actually making plays. He is actually contributing. He is actually getting past defended. He is actually making tackles. Derek Barnett isn't. So, yes, if you're going with a guy that you know you're – taking a chance by playing like a Jackson at defensive end, like a pay at cornerback. I get it. Those two are comparable. The The guys that you're putting in and what the expectation should be and the amount of experience they have are very comparable. The actual subtraction from your lineup, if you trade Steven Nelson as compared to trading Derek Barnett, I think is night and day. Well, I yeah, I, Steve Nelson's played better. I, I don't think Derek Barnett has played well, but I, I don't think he's played as poorly as you're making it out to be. I say, I guess where we have the disconnect. I, I think he's been competent as a weak side defensive end in the NFL. Again, that's a disappointment from what he was expected to be when he's drafted at number 14 overall. I do think there's a significant um, downgrade if you start playing Teron Jackson for Derek Barnett. That's where we kind of differ now he's not going to be here next year anyway i mean there so if you want to take it from just that standpoint and you want to get whatever you can get i get it from that perspective and that's why you know dave and i brought up the locker room aspect you got to balance that part of it as well because if people see you know, if the veterans are in there and saying, oh, you're you're getting rid of Barnett, you're just going to play a bunch of rookies who aren't going to ready to play, then you can start going down that, that negative path. Was there a, a, any kind of a locker room reaction when they dump uh, Zach Ertz for a cornerback who hadn't played in the league yet? Well, the, the, the Zach Ertz trade is different than the fact that you had a better player who you, you want to get on the field um, – for significant snaps that you want here long-term. I mean, Dallas Goddard is one, and I'm going to say this, that Dallas Goddard was great in Detroit, by the way. Uh, Dallas Goddard is one of the five best players on the Eagles. That's how good he is. Um, The rest of the league knows it. Uh, The Eagles know it. The Eagles, we bring up Howie Roseman, very barely admits there will be no discounts with Dallas Goddard. That's because everybody in the league knows what Dallas Goddard is, including the Eagles. That's the big difference with Zach Ertz. And that's been, and by the way, Zach Ertz wants to be a tight end one and probably deserves to be a tight end one. So you had that disconnect and that Zach was not going to be happy taking a backseat role. So I think it's way different because of just how good Dallas Goddard is. 
Yeah, but uh, if you're just talking about purely subtracting someone who gives you a chance to win on a week-in, week-out basis, I think Zach Ertz gives them more than Jack But well, we Stoll. were talking about the locker room. Players know who right, can the play. the locker room. Players know who can play. Players know Dallas Goddard can play, so they understand. Well, I think they also knew that Zach Ertz could play. Yeah, but you're misunderstanding my point. You're talking about they know how good Dallas Goddard is. They know Derek Barnett's significantly better than Teron Jackson at this stage. Maybe three years down the line, Teron turns into a star. I don't know. At this stage today. That, that to me, is the difference between those two situations when you talk about how it cr- comes to locker room. People are disappointed Zach left because they like Zach personally, but they know it's a business, and they know they can understand, well, Dallas is really stinking good. Zach, um, not the case with Tehran at this stage. I don't, like, I don't want to bury the kid, but come on. Yeah, yeah, coming close, but that's okay. I, I know where you're coming from with him. He's, it would be a leap of faith to put him in yeah. uh, for significant snaps going forward. I'm ready to make that leap of faith. You're not. Um, I got to talk to you about one of your favorite football expressions that you've used here many a time here on Bird 365, an FU player, the one that you always reference. Adrian Peterson with the Vikings. Adrian Peterson to the AFC? Isn't that against league rules or something? <laughs> he's been on every team in the NFC, or at least it seems that way, but he's never been to the AFC before. What the hell's he going to do for the Titans? And I asked this with Dave Zingaro. Maybe Howie Roseman should have been Johnny on the trigger yesterday and shipped off one of their outstanding backs who look great yeah. wow. against the Lions this week to the Tennessee Titans since they're not going to have Derrick Henry. Adrian Peterson got anything left in the tank? Boy, I I don't know. I mean, Adrian's 36, um, 36 years old at running back. Now, obviously, he's a physical freak. I mean, uh, that guy is just – and he's always been – you know, a couple years ago when he was in Washington, he's 33, 34, whatever it was at the time, he had that big run against the Eagles. Remember, he's just outrunning people at that age in the NFL – um, look, he's one of the, I, I think he's the best. I got to see him up close for years. I think he's the best pure runner, um, in the history of this league since Jim Brown, at least, uh, when he was in the prime of his career, but he's not in the prime of his career. The, the, you know, he's a very powerful runner. So I guess Tennessee is trying to duplicate as much as they can with Derrick Henry, but obviously you can't do that. But from the Eagles' perspective, I, I heard this from a lot of people, so I'm not picking on you, Jody. Why not trick? Nobody wants Jordan. Jordan Howard admitted. Jordan Howard is on the verge of retirement. Well, right. not, I'm not getting one call. And the Eagles said, all right, come back. We'll we'll take a look at you because we like you. We, we've been. You know, he was done. Nobody wants Jordan Howard. Nobody wants Boston. I was actually, I was actually kind of surprised that they used him as much as they did. Yeah, um, you know, I thought Jordan deserved to make this team coming out of training camp. And by the way, I thought he would have made this team under normal rules over Boston Scott. Um. I, I think they would have not necessarily over Boston Scott. I think they would have kept. He wasn't making over Miles Sanders. He wasn't making no, over Kenny Gainwell. I'm saying the COVID rules affect rosters. It's different. 
I'm saying pre-COVID, where you didn't have an opportunity to um, elevate people from the practice squad, put veteran players on the practice squad. Remember, those are COVID rules. Um, then you would have to make difficult decisions. And I think the Eagles would have kept an extra running back and said, well, we need the between the tackles guys guy. And he deserved to make this team. Um, but they didn't have to because of the COVID rules. Now you can stash people on the practice squad. You don't have to worry about it. It's much easier. You can make those easier decisions. I think just from a performance standpoint in training camp, he showed up in really good shape. He showed up uh, much quicker than he was, uh, obviously, uh, when he performed very poorly in Miami. I thought he deserved to make this football team. Um, and he showed it. Uh, and, and good for Jordan Howard. But I don't think there's a ton of value around the rest of the league. So people thinking, well, Adrian Peterson is 36. I mean, I mean Tennessee made their decision. They wanted him because they think he can – um, duplicate as strange as that word sounds as close to, to what they had and they don't they don't want Jordan Howard so it's not like how he's sleeping on the job yeah no, no yeah nobody I, wants Jordan. I just want to throw that in I really think that they'd be able to move well would move either or two would have been Boston Scott who I think could have brought back that all too familiar now seventh round pick in exchange Jordan Howard no yeah uh, I just put him in the mix because he had a good game last week. So I want to give him the props. Now you're tradable, Jordan. Way to go. You made yourself viable to be out of town. Yeah, um, GMs, but- and I'm not going to say because there's some bad GMs. Um, they're not going to be swayed by one game against an 0-8 team in the middle of the season. I mean, if, if you are, you're probably not a GM. Right. Not That, that would be a bad sign. Um, but I do want to add just a couple more trade things. Rob Motti from the Associate Press is going to join us coming up in uh, five or six minutes. A um, couple of ancillary things you can figure from this past week, uh, trades and or injuries. Uh, on the trades, Von Miller going to the Rams all in. They're going for the Super Bowl. Good news for the Eagles. How is that? Well, they got to play the Broncos in a couple of weeks. I'd rather play a Von Miller-less Broncos squad than a Von Miller Broncos squad. So, that's a positive in that the Eagles got the Broncos coming in just a couple of weeks. And the other uh, determination from this weekend was, how about that Carson Wentz? <laughs> what the hell was he thinking? It's one of the questions we're going to ask Rob Motti, because on Twitter, Rob tried to defend the move that he made and said it was the right thing to do to not take the safety. Have you gone back and watched the play again yet, Rob? We'll bring it up when Rob joins us. Um, but here's good news. With Derrick Henry going out, despite the fact that the Titans won that game and have now opened up a pretty significant lead in that division and the Colts could have been four and four, instead they're three and five. <clears throat> oh, they're sticking with Carson Wentz. Even with that lame attempted lefty pass out of the end zone, he has only not played a handful of snaps through the first eight game for the Indianapolis Colts. And they're not giving up on the season, which means he's going to be their quarterback again this week and the week after the week after. The whole worry of, ooh, they might bench Carson because they want to protect that first-round pick. Not happening uh, because Tennessee's not running away in that division. The Colts are close enough, even as crushing as that defeat was, up 14 nothing before you could blink on Sunday against the uh, Tennessee. 
Yeah, they're going to go for it. Where the Eagles will get the uh, Colts' first round pick this year. Write it down. Jody Mack said so. Yeah, I I agree with you in the fact that Indianapolis and and I think it's better. And I've said this pretty consistently. If that pick falls to 16, 17, 18, somewhere in the bottom half of the first round, I think that's the best case scenario for the Eagles. Well, not for the Eagles, for people who want the Eagles to take three first round picks um, and, and who want to see that happen. Uh, I think it's more likely to happen if it's in that range and you get the two top 10 picks. Otherwise, I think you're going to see some bumbling, trading out, trading for next year, trading down, things like that. Um, can't take three top 10 picks. Um, yeah, but you can trade down no matter where the pick is. If it's 17, you can trade no, down. No, you can if trade down. 14, I'm saying you, you are going. If I'm it's saying, 12, you can trade down. Doesn't I'm matter saying, where the pick is. You can always trade down. Which is why I said if Eagles fans want them to take three first-round picks, yes, they are going to trade down. If it ends up at number nine and you have, for lack of argument, two, seven, nine, they're going to trade down at some point. They're not going to take two, seven, nine is what I'm trying to say. Um, So that's all I meant by that. But yeah, it's working out well in the fact that Indianapolis isn't very good, but they're still in it and they have to play the starting quarterback. So it's working out perfectly from that perspective from if you're the Eagles. Right. Couldn't be better. They're losing. The pick is staying in the top 10, yet the chance to sit Carson Wentz really isn't increasing because Tennessee is watching their MVP candidate go by the board with an injury. Couldn't have been better for the Eagles this week. They romp. Dolphins lose, Carson Wentz loses, but is not looking anymore like he's going to get benched to save that first round pick. It was pretty, from a draft perspective, it was pretty much a perfect weekend. For Kenny Pickett. Um, Kenny oh, Pickett. Did you see how many times they asked him to throw it on Sunday? I did not, to be honest. 55. But I, but I, I 55 do know. 55 passes man. this past week and they got beat. You know, because I didn't know that much about Kenny Pickett, and he's turning into that guy in the NFL. I just started hearing his name from NFL people, and I'm like, well, who the hell's Kenny Pickett? I didn't even know who the hell he was, to be honest, because I don't have time to watch that much college football, which I'm honest about during the NFL season. I don't really delve into that till after the season is over. Um Man, NFL people like Kenny Pickett. And that's all that matters. I don't care about draft people. I don't care about, I mean, NFL people think right now he's the guy. They might be wrong, but I've heard it from multiple. And I'm talking about GM types, multiple. Um, and, And that's always, like, they're ahead of the curve, obviously. And then everybody else catches up. And because that's the goal of all of the draft stuff, it should be. It's not about what you think personally. It's about what you think the NFL teams are going to do. And NFL teams seem to love that kid for whatever reason. And I I like him. I can't say I love him the way uh, you're describing, but uh, he's a fifth-year kid, stuck around. He's supposed to be good by this time. No one should be asked to throw it 55 times in one game like they did this past week against Miami for Kenny Pickett. All right, quickie timeout coming. Then our boy, Rob Monty from the Associated Press, 
Gonna hop aboard with us next year on Bird 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Mega Mac guys here with you on Birds 365. Good to have... Our buddy checking in from Florida he covers the entire National Football League for the Associated Press, but he never gets away from the Philly story. Our pal Rob Motti, who I'm going to start with this question right now, Mr. Motti. I hope you haven't seen it yet. Where are the Philadelphia Eagles power ranked by the NFL.com? Oh, wow. Uh, eight, eight, <laughs> 22nd. Lower. Lower as in 27? Wow. It's slightly higher. Uh, 25th. 26th. 26th. And you know who's 25th? The New York football giants. Ahead of the Eagles? Well, they played tough, but. They did play tough. Yeah, they They did did play play tough. 
It wasn't the first time they played tough, but they, you got to get the W. Yeah. Yeah. Too many people wow. said that about the Vikings going into this week here. That was they a terrible tough. loss. They yeah. hang tough. They don't give up. They're fighting. They stink. They're yeah. 0 and 8. Oh, the Lions you're talking about. Well, Lions, the Vikings what I stink say. too. Yeah. The Vikings stink too. Sorry. Yeah. I think we're at the end of the Mike Zimmer era with that lose. Should be. Lost to Cooper Rush. But you, you, you can't lose to the Cowboys in that situation. No, no you, no, you can't. And and the way he coaches, he coaches like it's 1975. So he's trying to, you know, he's it, it, you just can't coach that way. The and you see what happens. A call goes your uh, opposite direction. All of a sudden, you're in a position where you're going to lose a game against an inferior opponent. But the Eagles did not do that, Rob. Uh, they went to Detroit. They took care of their business. They got the heck out. I asked, uh, been asking a bunch of people. I'll ask you, what did you really learn from that game, though? So you give them credit for handling that business, but what did, did we learn anything? Yeah, you know, I hate yeah buts after victories, right? When when they go, well, yeah, but it's the Detroit Lions. It's always better to dominate a terrible football team than to barely squeak by with a W, than to lose the game. So they went in there, like you said, handled their business. And they and they did it from start to finish in all three phases, and they dominated. What I learned was that Nick Sirianni is adaptable. And he is adaptable in that he chose a game plan against a team that he knew would work, and that was to run the football and run it effectively. And they ran 46 times. Uh, including Jalen Hurts' scrambles, and that was the most that they've ever run since the LaShawn McCoy, uh, the Shady McCoy's snow game against Detroit, which was also 46 way back in 2013, and and got all those yards on the ground. Now, is that sustainable? Uh, you heard him after the game, and then again on Monday say it depends on the opponent and what they're going to allow. But yeah, that's a formula, that's a recipe that is successful for the Eagles. So no matter what the defense is giving you, you still have to try and impose your will. And that is by allowing your offensive linemen who are built to run block to dominate those four guys, those five guys, that front seven in front of them and wear them down. And if you don't get a four, five, six yard gain, two, three runs in a row, that's okay because you stick with that and you wear him down by the third and fourth quarter. And I'm not sure he's going to continue to do that, but I would hope that he does. It's so funny you went there because that's what my question was going to be. You've been talking to guys in locker rooms, specifically offensive linemen for years. Maybe not as much as you used to because of COVID, but you did it for years, Rob. Uh, You and John both. And we get Barrett Brooks on our show from time to time. And it is amazing to me, even on the small little screen we're working with here, I can see Barrett's eyes light up when I ask him about run blocking. (laughs) He gets visually excited. He's been out of the game for 10 years, but you can still see like the, the excitement level in him when he gets to talk about run blocking. How much of a difference does that really make? The the guys that, and Sirianni had admitted after his, uh, uh, with his press conference after the game, the guys were coming off the field going, yeah, let's do this coach. Keep with this coach. We can do this. We can buy. How much does it really play into the mind of the offensive lineman when the coach is calling running play after running play? They're just that much juiced and ready to go. My question for those offensive linemen is why weren't they doing that the first seven games? Come off the field and say, hey, coach, <laughs> let's let's run the football. Let's do more of this. But it's it's just the mentality 
And from a physical standpoint, when you run block, you're the aggressor. You're not backing up, being defensive. You're attacking. And that's what these guys, these big mountain men want to do, these behemoths. They want to be the aggressor, and they want to just knock those other guys off the line of scrimmage and off the ball. And, and, and like you said, you've heard that from offensive linemen, whether it's this year, last year, every year, any O-lineman you talk to. I don't think I've ever heard a guy say, oh, yeah, my preference is pass protection. They do it because they have to, and now they yeah. have to do it 65 70% of the game, if not more, most more often than not. But they certainly love to run block, and, and I think that, listen, guys, we, we'll never get back to a 50-50. We know that. We'll never be at a, at a 60-40 run pass uh, type of league, and that's not how you win anymore in the NFL, and I get that. But I think you have to effectively run the ball more than the Eagles did the first seven weeks. And they showed that against the Lions. And, and this is a team now that they're playing this week who is last in the league against the run. So yeah. it stands to reason you would assume you would think against a team that doesn't uh, do it very well. You should go out there and continue to run the football. Well, you're probably right this week, Rob, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, you're the chargers and, and Brandon Staley, uh, is out there doing a, I think a pretty good job as a rookie head coach. Uh, but they are not good defending the run kind of like the Eagles play a lot of, uh, cover too, at least early in the season. So the numbers tell you to run the football a lot against the chargers, but you mentioned Nick Sirianni proving he's adaptable. Well, the Eagles are going to run up. Uh, to a defensive coordinator who's adaptable and is watching this film, and they're going to put eight people in the box at some point. And it's at that point where the numbers are against you and you got to drop back and throw the football. We're halfway through the season, essentially. Not quite, because we're at 17 games now, but you get the point. Can Jalen Hurts throw the football consistently to win in this league? Have we learned that? Are we on the crux of learning that? And are the Eagles doing them a disservice by scaling back and throwing the football 14 times against the Detroit Lions? I don't think that was a disservice doing it against the Lions because you want to come out of that game and you want to feel as positive as you can after all the struggles that they've had and get that W. But – are we any closer right now to finding out that answer than we were at the beginning of the season? I don't think so. And I think that at this point, it's starting to look like Jalen Hurts isn't going to be the long-term solution for the Eagles. Now things can change over the final nine games. He can go on an incredible type of run and, and change some minds. But just the feeling, the thinking that I, that I have about this organization is, is that he's not it. And uh, I think that that's why they've been consistently linked to the Deshaun Watson rumors. That's why they are consistently linked to any rumor that you know, any time a quarterback, whether it's now going to be Russell Wilson, maybe the Seahawks go into rebuild mode, maybe they try and blow it off, the Eagles should go away. Whoever it is, the Eagles are always interested or linked to that guy. Uh, I, I think Jalen Hurts has done some really good things, and he, he's shown – that he can be a dynamic player at times, but he's not throwing the ball consistently enough. There are throws that he's not making that you have to make as an NFL number one quarterback. And, and I don't know if that's Nick Sirianni just not having the confidence, the faith in him. 
to call those plays or if that's Jalen looking other ways because he's not confident in himself to make those throws. I don't know what they're not. We don't see practice, right, John? I don't know what they're not seeing in practice, but I'm sure they're getting a good read and a good feel. When you hear Sirianni talk about why was Boston Scott elevated into the number one backup role, it's because of a good week of practice, right? So what is Jalen not doing or doing in practice that that makes them feel this is all we can do with him and, and these are the throws we want to ask him to make and this is the type of offense we want him to run? And, and I think that kind of helps us answer the question when we don't see enough on the field. All right, uh, the countdown is on. Do my math. Six six and a half hours, just under six and a half hours before the NFL trade deadline hits. I need you to give me your executive uh, location for the Philadelphia Eagles. No, right now, any East Coast GM worth his salt is already in his office by the phone, ready to do something. So we assume Harry Roseman is as well. Is Howie in his office with Jeffrey sitting with him? Is he in Jeffrey's office? sitting with uh, the owner or are they actually going their separate ways and the hotline can ring at any time and how he could tell Jeffrey what he's doing. I, I think maybe in this COVID era, how he's in his uh, home office, he could be <laughs> right. Especially if the kids are off to school and it's kind of quiet in there. Uh, but they certainly the phones are ringing. The, the, the texts are being sent. The, the calls are being made and I don't anticipate the Eagles doing anything close to what the Rams did yesterday and, and trading a two and a three for Von Miller. Come on now. They're all, they're certainly they're all in. They baby. are, they are all, they better win a Super Bowl. You're trading a two and a three. Now they did get Denver to pay 9 million of whatever the 9.5, 9.7 left. I would think that the Eagles should get some calls from the Tennessee Titans. I know they went inside Adrian Peterson and that's great. And he hasn't played all season. But you got uh, some running backs like Jordan Howard, who was on the practice squad all year. Monty's with me on the trade Jordan yeah. Howard front, McMullen. Yeah. Why would why would you not consider if you're the Titans a, a sixth round pick or a conditional pick for a guy like Jordan Howard or or or, or Boston Scott? If if you think Peterson's gonna they they need help at that position. They're in first place. They're in, they're number one in in the AFC right now, number one seed. So they got to stockpile as much as they can. We saw what the Ravens did when they lost their running backs. They signed anybody who ever ran a football. Yeah, so that's, that's true. I don't think the now Titans you are know done. though, Rob, because I I don't think you made the move when yeah. In fact, yeah, you would not. So you were still here when Jordan Howard, when the Eagles brought him back, and he admitted. Uh, look, nobody called me. He he was very honest. He thought his NFL career might have been over. And the Eagles said, all right, we like you as a player. We'll bring you back. We'll give you an opportunity. So I'm not sure how much interest there is yeah. going to be around the league coming off a game. Look, you're a bad GM if you're going to look at a game against the Detroit Lions and say, oh, but this guy's good. He could be off one game. That's my estimation of that. But if you look at the Eagles as a whole, they've already moved Joe Flacco, already moved Zach Ertz. As we get closer to this deadline, they're not going to make that mistake, are they? They're not going to look at that Detroit game and say, well, maybe we're better. Maybe we can push to that seventh playoff spot and we're going we're gonna to shift towards buying than selling. Oh. No, they can't. They can't do that. I, I don't think they could be blinded by 
uh, one victory, uh, a dominant victory like that over the line. The Eagles, if anything, got to be in seller mood. You can you cannot be at this point thinking that with a one game out of the seventh seed in the NFC and the right to go and, and get your butts whipped in the first playoff game, <laughs> there's there's no there's no there's way. No, yeah. yeah, you don't give up. You stockpile draft picks, but you don't trade draft picks away. The, the only way you do that is if you're going to get a guy who's going to help you for two, three years down the road, somebody who, who's uh, that, that you feel. And I, I don't know who's in a position like that right now, who's going to be on a trade deadline. And uh, I, I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson, I don't see that guy moving right now. I, I don't care what all those rumors are. Uh, I, I just think that that team is best waiting, best served waiting until the offseason to get more teams involved and more teams in the mix and seeing how things shake out with them. But from the Eagles standpoint, no, you trade a Howard, a Boston Scott, whatever it, whatever you can to add some draft picks. And maybe you look at, hey, maybe you trade one, one of your veteran uh, secondary guys if, if a team comes asking. Uh, certainly nobody's going to be interested in the Eagles linebackers. So no, here's where I want to go with you because we talked about it earlier. What would you need if you were Howie Roseman to part ways with Derek Barnett in a trade? Not much. <laughs> Me personally, not not much. I said, <laughs> I said a conditional seventh, which means no, I can't do that. Picks. Give but me a five, I'll do it. Yeah, Give me a yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, you're interested? You're going to take the rest yeah. of the, the, the year's salary? All right. Well, yeah. All what, I need. <laughs> what more can I do for you if you're willing yeah. to take Derek Barnett off my hands? But, hey, he's coming off his first sack of the year this year, yeah. Jody. How about that? He got in on the action against got the Jared same Bob. number of sacks that Teron Jackson got. Good job, Derek. Yeah, yeah. I, I – I'd be I'd be right there with you on, on moving Derek Barnett. I don't know that you'll get that call. Yeah, I think anybody. I mean, I I think it's smart when you know a player's not going to be here the next season. If you can get something for him at the trade deadline, I think it's smart. But I do think there's a little bit of balance in the locker room. If you think about the Eagles trading the two trades they made, for instance, Joe Flacco, we had a ready-made backup behind yeah. Joe Blacko and Gardner Minshew. Uh, Zach Ertz was about paving uh, the path for Dallas Goddard, who's a very good player. Um, you don't have a natural replacement for Derek Barnett. It's not as much as Derek Barnett's a good player. Derek Barnett is playing up to what he should be as a former first-round pick. It's kind of the message you might send to the locker room by saying, all right, we're going to play Teron Jackson, a rookie six-round pick who's not ready to play. I think that could be more negative than positive. Does it make any sense out of that, Ralph? It, it does, and I can understand that. But from the flip side of that is, like you said, he's not going to be here. You don't anticipate him being here next year. Now you would be giving a young guy an opportunity to show you what he can do and and – I don't, you know, trading a guy like Derek Barnett to me isn't something, it's not like you're walking in that locker room after trading Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey or or a, a veteran who has been there, who's a leader in the locker room. Who's yeah, I know he was part of the Super Bowl run. I know he he recovered the strip sack, yeah, big uh, his, his, right? Big play yeah. in Eagles history, and he'll, he'll always have that. But I just never got this sense, even though he's in year five now, that Derek Barnett is, is that guy who commands that kind of respect in the locker room that you would have a team revolt 
if the Eagles parted ways with them. All right, Rob, let me uh, uh, talk about where the Eagles are going from here. Three and five, second half, maybe they buy, maybe they sell, maybe they do nothing, and that's where I'm going to fall, that that's most likely going to happen, not because of lack of effort from Harry Roseman. I just don't know that there's a deal out there for the Eagles. Nick Sirianni's job is to win as many games as he can in the second half. And despite the fact that we were all a little befuddled by his flower-growing speech last week, it seems to have worked. The players responded to. He's got Kelsey screaming about the roots. Joe, I loved it. I was all in on the flower analogy. Keep yeah. and keep fertilizing, man. I, yeah. I I had no issue with that. That's fickle Philly telling you fire your coach because he made it a flower analogy. Yeah, Come on, guys, it was ridiculous. I, I wasn't to the I wasn't to the fire the coach level, but I was yeah. to the eye roll level. But hey, if it works, it works. You judge the results much more than what he says. And guess what? The results this week were 44 to 6. So that's a win for Nick Sirianni. By the way, it was funny, Rob. Uh, behind the scenes with the flower power, the, the Eagles the Eagles were kind of upset about how that was framed locally in that, you know, the players were fired up. There were a lot of F-bombs in that speech for the players thrown in, mixed in. <laughs> a couple F-bombs with the flowers. And, and everybody... I saw that you, you were posting what the players said about it that yeah. that was fired up. And yeah, and yeah so. They that... were really fired up. And I, I think they used it because they were a little bit unhappy the way it was spun. And look, Nick joked about it as well. And he, he was going to go with the bamboo plant, which is uh, yeah. sort of a football thing. But uh, yeah, I thought it was overblown. And and the fact that the team kind of used it, uh, uh, use whatever you can. If it works, use it. <laughs> and if it's us Absolutely. versus them, use it. Well, it's not the last time something in Philly is going to get overblown or misinterpreted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, here you go. I'll give you, I'll give you guys an example. Watching Carson Wentz make that hideous throw on Sunday, his left, his decision yeah. to throw a left-handed pass out of the end zone that was a pick six that actually in that position turned out because he didn't take, he didn't get sacked. He didn't take the sack. He didn't get the safety. They were able to get the ball back and then tie the game. So I stated that on, on Twitter. I said the, the decision, the stupid decision, ter I used the word terrible decision, actually in this case worked out in his favor because they got the ball back, whereas a safety, they would have had to kick off. Tennessee would have ran out the clock. They would have lost the game in regulation. And 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 the uh, reading comprehension, I know, is an issue on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, it's completely it, – it's a major problem. People took that tweet as me saying he purposely threw that interception because he knew that he was going to get the ball back. That's not what I was saying, but – there, people are so blinded by their hatred for Carson Wentz that they'll attack anybody who says anything about him, even when it's calling a play terrible and stupid. So, yeah, Philly blows everything out of proportion. And, and oh, by the way, and John and I just talked about that before he came on, the fact that with Derrick Henry down, despite the fact that yeah, I don't think the Colts have a prayer of making the playoffs, I think Carson is going to play 75% of the snaps, which means the Eagles are going to get the first-round pick. Another reason why, Frank Reich took Carson's back after the game. Said yeah. it was my call. It was a bad call. I never should have called that play. That's not on Carson. That's on me for a lousy call. So guess what? The head coach still has Carson Wentz's back. Oh man, that was, it was it was a terrible play call, but it's still indefensible. 
somehow you got to throw that away. You that you got to throw that ball away out of your own end zone. I did the math on the snap counts and everything else, and how how many they're on pace for right now, based on how the ninety nine percent that he's played and the snap count totals projected over the course of the season. He would have to sit out four full games plus parts of another one. And, and, and that's that's a lot. So you'd have to come. I don't know that they'll be eliminated from the seventh wild card spot by the time there's four playoff games left. And 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 that's that's the yeah. thing. I, I thought they would have. I think it's it would be organizational malpractice if they don't protect that first round pick. But now the more I think about it, I look at their week schedule. Uh, I, I look at the fact that the AFC is within reach for anybody and you go, they go on a run barring injury. I don't know how you sit him out 17, 18 quarters that he's going to have to sit out in order to miss that. But Hey, that's their problem right now. Yeah. And now on top of it, obviously Tennessee is looking really good, but they lose Derrick Henry. So they're probably going to come back to the pack a little bit as well. So although their, their, their Colts are four, four games behind. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. But you can't, you, if if the Titans start losing a little bit, you can't, you can't start just giving up on the season. So you're right. At this point, it's probably more anything else. It's going to be injury related. If he misses those snaps, then, the the Colts just shutting things down, but unless uh, he loses to the great Mike White, and well, Joey's yeah. J-E-T-S, how about Mike Jets, White? Jets, yeah. Jets, Jets on Thursday, well, how about right? Mike White wins? Cooper <laughs> Rush wins. Um, first NFL starts, obviously. Uh, yeah, you know that happens in this league. The teams have letdowns. I think they see when a when a quarterback is in there who doesn't have maybe the cachet or the reputation. But it is easier to throw the football than ever in the NFL. Um, so, you know, when we, we talk about Jeffrey Lurie, and I think it's a little bit talking about Philadelphia overblowing things, Rob. I think it's a little bit overblown when Jeffrey Lurie says, we got to pass the football to win. I think that's a larger overriding sentiment he has that if you want to consistently win, you have to have an high octane, octane passing offense, and I tend to agree with him. By the way, I think he's right. So I go full circle and say about this team and those three potential top ten picks. We can't live in rumor world, Nick Sirianni said, but we can live in rumor world. <laughs> Rob Motti, Jody McDonald, John McMullen. Is there any quarterback you've heard? Because I keep hearing one name with NFL people, and that's Kenny Pickett from mm. Pittsburgh. Have you heard that name? That that that's a name that has been over the past couple weeks, kind of like you you see at this time of the season in college football, it when guys start to make their jump on that board, and uh, as Mel Kuyper put his, or Todd McShay put out his uh, anticipate, I, I don't know. I, I can't follow those guys until it's April. I don't, I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want it. But, but that, I, I, I hear that name often. We hear Willis, right? Uh, yeah. and, and, and I just, I, I don't know if that's the route the Eagles would be willing to go, John. I, I feel like they want, if they're going to go in a a new quarterback direction. They want that proven 
quarterback, the guy who's already had success in the NFL, whether that's Deshaun Watson, whether that somehow you can pry Russell Wilson away from the Seattle Seahawks and the fact that right now they're uh, struggling, he's been injured, maybe they do at some point say, hey, this is let's blow things up and now you can go in there. I, I wouldn't be afraid of his age at 30, what, 32 33, you see more quarterbacks now, like what Tom Brady's doing. Nobody's ever going to do what he's doing and throw more touchdowns in their 40s and in their 20s. But if if they do take care of their bodies, if they do eat right, if they can avoid catastrophic injuries, you can play into your late 30s and and still be elite. And, And that's why I wouldn't be afraid to go after a guy who's in his 30s already and, and feel like I can get five to seven years out of him at uh, elite level. So I would be all in on somebody like that. I'd still, I'd still be afraid to go and trade all those assets for Deshaun Watson. But I think that's what they do. Now, when you when you talk about the Jeffrey Lurie and the passing and the running, that's, as you had alluded to, it's overblown. But I think that part of that is from his doing because it stems back to remember that Green Bay Packers yeah, Thursday yeah, night game, yeah, right? Yeah. Where they ran the ball, but they also people feel like people want to equate that to this week. It's not the same as this week. That Carson threw 27 times in that game. That's more yeah. than 14. Last time yeah. I did the math, 27 <laughs> is, is is almost double 14. Yeah, buddy, you yeah. buddy. Right. And he threw three touchdown passes. So it's not like they were trying to avoid throwing the ball, but they ran it and ran it consistently and they did it well at Lambeau Field. And then there was that meeting apparently afterwards. Was that Jeff McLean who reported that? And it was, uh, by the way, Rob, that was an organizational meeting, which I always found. So, in other words, Jeffrey was Mm -hmm. talking to not only Doug Peterson, but also like Don Smolensky. maybe asking him why the windmills don't work at Lincoln Financial Field. <laughs> and then he turned and said, hey, Doug, why would we run it so much in Green Bay? Yeah. I do think Doug took it uh, the wrong way. And I think Jeffrey, Jeffrey's a big information guy, as you know. Like, he mm-hmm. wants to understand what's going on in his organization. I think the disconnect was Doug Peterson thought he was – like, yeah. why are you asking me? I won the football game. I think it was more that, but well, yeah, and, taking a taking a back, surprised by yeah. it. But but that has now created that has yes. created that that narrative to where yeah. something happens in, in Sunday's game like that, and they run the ball so much, and they run it well, and they and they only throw fourteen times, and people are are, are posting about what's Jeffrey Lurie thinking right now, and that's yeah. all right. Since his name surfaced. And this is just the way my mind works, and I'm probably overthinking <laughs> this. And this is the reason why I'm asking you the question, Rob Motti. If you're Doug Peterson's agent, and Doug wants to get back into league coaching again next year, and a way to stay in top of mind is to make television appearances. The, the guys drop in, they do guest commentator spots, show, show on, jump up on one of the pregame shows. If you're looking at the Eagles' schedule, Chargers this week, Denver, Saints playing a little bit better. No Jameis before the really easier part of the schedule kicks in. Giants twice, Washington twice, Jets before you get to the Cowboys. When are you offering your services to whichever of the two TV? The next two weeks are on CBS, as a matter of fact, but they're usually on Fox games. 
when do you uh, put a call in to the lead producer of the pregame show on either Fox or CBS? Go, hey, Doug will come in and talk to you guys about the Eagles. They're playing okay. <laughs> They're on the verge of making the playoffs. If you want to come in, give you a little Eagle insight, he'd be more than happy when you're making that call. Oh, man, that's a good question. It, 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 you know, there's another route he can go in this day and age, right? He could sit there with his laptop and he can start dissecting and diagramming yeah. plays and yeah. posting that on social yeah. media. And then he can avoid being in that what might be an uncomfortable position of somebody asking him in the studio about the Eagles or what went down. And now he may have to be critical. So, no, I, I, I hear you, Jody. And I, I do think that, that that's not Doug Peterson's um, strong suit to sit there and, and uh, be – overly analytical he, he at times had it struggled with that but that's something i anticipate we'll see you know what maybe I, i'll make the call he's more than welcome to come on the ap pro football podcast we, we, yeah. we can sit there and, and break down film Let, let, let's do it you gave me an idea yeah, I'm gonna reach, he's got I'm gonna reach an open out, invite so. on birds 365 anytime he wants to come on there this. you go exactly right rob always a pleasure buddy Appreciate it. Thank you much. We will be getting you on again in a couple of weeks. Are you coming to the game this weekend? Not not only am I coming to the game, I'm coming up tomorrow for like a week. So um, I'm I'm concerned. What what do I have to bring? How cold is it right now? You're going Uh, to Philly. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to the Keys for a wedding. I'll wave from the plane. Maybe our planes will (laughs) pass over each other. It is finally gotten a little bit more chilly, Rob. It's oh, about uh, it's going to be in the fifties. So yeah. Okay, uh, I better I better bring the hoodies and the bring a hoodie. Yeah, get your right. best your best Belichick look on. <laughs> you ready, Marty? Right, Rob, good stuff. Thank you, buddy. Uh, we got to run. Thank you very much. That's Rob Marty here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, come back. We got to wrap up this bad boy. Put a bow on the show here on Birds Three Sixty Five. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work. 
building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Coming down the home stretch with your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Tomorrow we'll be, we will be back a little over 22 hours from now. And we'll be breaking down the big moves that the Eagle made on trade deadline day. Yeah, probably not. But I, I'll i say this again. Um, and I take my fair shots at Howie Roseman. Not as many as most others. I give him credit when he does certain things right. Like the draft day maneuvering. He's very good at that. Uh, actually picking players at the draft. Well, not so good. Um, but uh, how he's got his strengths and he's got his weaknesses. I'm not going to get nuts on him one way or the other, unless they give up one of the three first-round picks to add a wide receiver because Jalen Rager's ankle is worse than we thought, and they actually believe they're going to the playoffs this year, and he goes out and gets himself uh, a wide receiver. I'm not going to be critical of him. We all want to see it. We all talk about it as if you could just snap your fingers and get something done. Chances are they're not going to get anything done today, Johnny Mac, are they? Nah, well, I, knowing Howie, he'll do something to do something just because he likes to do something. But he's already made two moves, as I continue to continually point out. So those count as well. He just got them done earlier with Joe Flacco and Zach Ertz. So. I, I don't think it's going to be anything splashy. If they do bring a player back, it's going to be a player on a rookie deal that has maybe a year uh, left on his contract that they think can help more than a half season. It's not going to be about this season. And yeah, they I've been saying it since training camp. It, and it's kind of shaped out that way. They could have used a veteran body at the receiver position. And it's, you know, they need they need something at that position. But they're not in a position to do what the Rams did. So forget about veteran players with big names coming in. All right. Last thing. Are you scheduled for an Eagle uh, media session today? Is today coordinator day? If today so, is coordinator day. What what time are you supposed to be hearing from the Eagle coordinators? Uh, noon. Noon. Because you know what happened last week when Joe Flacco got traded yeah, come back in a half an hour. Yeah, yeah come back half they, an hour they, late. They, Let's put you back another hour. The are, are you expecting a noon uh, gathering of you and your mates? No, yes. We'll we'll be there at noon. Uh, the coordinators aren't involved with that kind of stuff, so it doesn't affect them. That's not going to move back. Are you uh, kidding me? Shane uh, Steichen? Loose lips, sink ships. Yeah. They're not going to put him out in front if something big is happening behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. 
Shane is Shane is the guy. If you don't want information, if you want everything tightened up, Shane is the guy you should you should trot out there. Get so him no out question. there. Get him out there. The, at the big question, though, I think what you're getting to, if the Eagles make a trade and it's somewhat significant, then we'll have a Zoom later with Howie Roseman, presumably at some point. And that would be, you know, tentative 415 turns into tentative 445 turns into tentative 545. Whatever, you get the point. Uh, Johnny Mac maybe not getting dinner tonight till about 8.30. So, uh, no, nah, uh, nothing big is going to happen. Though, have so. a snack along the way today, John, is my only suggestion. Because, yeah, you could you could get busy around. I'm rooting for you to be busy. I'm rooting for your dinner to be ruined yes. today, uh, McMullen, because I want to see the Eagle do something. Uh, and my wife won't understand it, by the way. Yeah, but your partner will here tomorrow at 8 o'clock yeah. in the morning. And, yes, you want to be here again tomorrow because uh, uh, you're well, fully... Are- you're out. You're not doing tomorrow, right? No, I I'm got doing COVID tomorrow. I'm just not oh, doing you're I got COVID, so I'll be here. Oh, no, that's morning. right. I'm off uh, t- today's Tuesday. I did Monday, sure. Tuesday. Yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then I'm out again on Monday because I don't get, uh, we don't fly out till Monday morning. Back. All right. So I'm going to be out I'm Monday. So the next four days, I know you, you, you can do most, but can't do all. Um, I hope you miss me, buddy. I am going to miss you. But you enjoy so Key well. West. I you're such good. a good friggin' liar. That's why I, you're I, good at I, what you do, McMullen. You I, can lie with a straight face, just like no. Howie Roseman when he said, "We're not sellers when we traded Zach Ertz." No, we're not selling. I'm thrilled for you because you said you'd never been to Key West. And never Key been West to Key West is, is awesome. So you're gonna have, have fun down been. there. Looking so. forward to it. But then yeah. I'll be looking forward to coming back with you one week from today, next Tuesday. I'll be back here on Bird Three Sixty Five. Who we got? I don't know. It's current. Somebody tomorrow. You're COVID. You're out for the whole show. Yeah. You're doing I, a guest well, spot. Well, I top. can do. We 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 gotta we gotta cobble out some things behind the scenes. I don't know. It's all seat of the pants. We can't live without Jody McDonald. Look what that's uh, such some, upheaval. Something tells me you'll get the two hours in without much of a problem. Uh, J Mac, have a good week. Uh, I'll text you my pick on the Eagle game so you can give it out here. I will give it out. I will give it on out. Friday. Uh, Coming back tomorrow, you just got to tune in to see who's going to be here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.